Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. It's a privilege to have you with me. I want to talk to you in this podcast a little bit more about Iran. And I want to do that not just because it's the hot thing in the headlines and because we've had war talk and because, you know, uh, of all the events that you're aware of. But I want to give you some background information about what's happening in Iran that may explain culturally, perhaps even spiritually, uh, what's taking place there. Uh, Iran is a country which has a young populace, but a crust of old Islamic men at the top. So picture it uh, as a country with a sort of a crust or veneer of older Islamic men at the top uh, running the country, but underneath is a young, vibrant, interesting group of people. And I'm going to explain to you at the very back end of this podcast why I'm telling you all this, but just run with me for a moment. You've probably heard me say before in this podcast that the average age, the mean age in Iran is 24. That's incredibly low. One of the things you want to watch in countries around the world is the mean age. As I've said here before, the mean age in Britain is 42. The mean age uh, in the U.S. is 38. Older populations, part of it's abortion, part of it's the valuing of small families, etc. But in Iran, where they've had a war, uh, where they have uh, believe in large families, largely because of their Islamic uh, orientation on families, uh, the average age, the mean age is 24. You have a young population there, and they are different from that harder crust at the top of older Islamic men who are basically engineering the disasters that are happening there now. It's very important for us to understand that. And one of the real great symbols of that that's happened here recently, that the, the fact that there is this younger tribe, the fact that they are more open, the fact that they are not as Islamic, the fact which is not inherently a problem, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying Islamic, I'm not speaking of Islamic as negative, but they're not as extremist Islamic if they are Islamic at all. Uh, and the fact that, by the way, they're very interested in dialogue with the West. They're very open to the West. Um, is, it was exemplified this past week week with the defection of a young lady, a 20-year-old young lady by the name of Camilla Alizade, who was, some of you may recognize the name, she was the only Iranian female to win a medal at the 2016 Olympics. She won the bronze medal for Taekwondo. She was beloved in that country. She was young, she, she is young and dynamic, and again, 21 years old. So she's right in that age group of young Iranians that I've been talking about. And you know what she did? She was offended by the lies and deceptions going on in Islam, again, scripted by that upper crust of old Islamic men, and so she defected. Here is arguably the most famous woman in Iran, the only Iranian woman to have won an Olympic medal, again, bronze for Taekwondo, and she defected to Europe just this past week. Pretty major, but it's symbolic. It's symbolic of what's going on. Uh, very, very important. Not long ago, you may actually have seen this. This happened within the last 72 hours as I sit here uh, on a Monday and record this podcast. Uh, you may have seen that at an, as a, a university in Iraq, an American flag and the Israeli flag now. Think about where we're talking about. We're talking about Shiite dominant Islam in Iran. 
Um, but a U.S. flag and an Israeli flag were projected by lights on the floor at a university. And the students decided they would honor those two countries and show their friendship towards them by walking around those flags and not walking on them, which may have been the purpose for the flags being projected on the floor to begin with. So you can they actually have, you can actually see a video online. Look this up. Uh, you actually can see video of the students choosing to walk around those flags in this big atrium where they're projected on the floor to, to show some respect. They knew it would be videoed. They knew it would send a signal to the West. They don't have a lot of means by which to communicate communicate with the West. They're trying to say something. This young tribe uh, who weren't even born when our problems with Iran began to arise in the 70s are trying to tell us something. The defection of Kamiya, the fact that they're only 24, this young tribe. It's very, very important. And I'll go ahead and bring up now uh, something I want to tell you before I talk about church growth. Uh, and that is that I've been in Iran. Uh, I went to Iran uh, as kind of a quiet, uh, not covert. I'm not a spy. Uh, I had permission to be in the country, but I had said in the West that I was going into Iraq and then I went on into Iran. And I want to tell you, I received the warmest welcome. In fact, you you can tell that this is true without even having to take my word for it. I'm constantly amazed how on the major networks, female American reporters and journalists will be over there doing stories. They walk the main streets of Tehran. They're not molested. They're not beaten. They're not killed. They're not beheaded. They're not even harassed. In fact, the children walk with them and hold their hands. The The, the people walk along. They might be angry about some things. They might be upset uh, about us killing, uh, the killing, U.S. killing of Soleimani. Um, but the fact of the, of the matter is that, that you're very well treated. And, and I found many journalists will tell us that in, in, uh, here in D.C. Many American politicians will talk about their warm reception. Now, that could be just formalities. But I've been there just walking the streets with friendly, friendly Iranians. and I'll t- Not friendly Iranians. I mean f- friends who are Iranians um, there. And nothing but warm. Nothing but kind. Nothing but invitations to home for dinner. Nothing but um, the shopkeepers bringing out their baklava for me to try. Apparently, they got the email that I love baklava. So I, I just want to say my point is not to not to say that I'm pro-Iranian as a whole in terms of their policies, in terms of their their handling of the West, in terms of their machinations in the Middle East. Not at all. But I'm trying to say beneath that hardened, vicious, terrorist, uh, older, hardcore extremist Islamic veneer is a young tribe yearning to be free. And one of the things that confirms this, uh, for those of us who are Christians, and of course it's important information even for those of us who are not, is that there's pretty dramatic growth of Christianity in Iran. Now, of course it's persecuted. But let me tell you that one of the reasons I've paid attention to Iranian affairs is that I was just in my last couple of years of college, yes, I'm older, Um, I was just in my last couple of years of college majoring in history and foreign policy and so on uh, when the Iranian uh, hostage crisis, as we call it in the West, occurred. You know the story. Uh, The Iranian crowd stormed the U.S. embassy, held about 400 people hostage uh, for quite some time. And uh, from 79 to 81, and finally they were released just as Ronald Reagan was becoming president. I think it was on Inauguration Day, in fact. Um, Now, 
my, my point and my reason for pointing that out is that was 79. I was a senior in college. I was fascinated because I was studying world affairs in college. And also, of course, it was on the news every single night. It was the ho- single hottest uh, issue in our news other than presidential elections. And of course, I began to, with my professor's guidance to study and to learn. Now, at that time, at that time in 1979, there were approximately, according to all estimates, 500 Christians in Iran, approximately 500. Now, all these years later, okay, uh, having just stepped into 2020, there are between 500,000 and a million Christians in Iran. Now, they are persecuted and they have to go underground. Um, and and the, the, you don't have open air meetings or, you know, you have kind of old formal churches that are recognized and allowed. But anybody proselytizing, uh, anything young, anything vibrant, anything hot, uh, anything that's a movement, of course, is persecuted. And Christians are arrested and persecuted and put in jail all the time there. What's interesting, kind of a sidelight, but I think it's fascinating, is that because churches are interesting, are persecuted, the way that church is often done in Iran is that young people get in cars and they drive around. So now picture, they're in a car, they're in a van, uh, they play Iranian worship music. Uh, on their sound system. They worship in those cars while they're driving around the streets or, you know, out to a, I don't know, a park outside of the city in Tehran, for example, and maybe back again. Um, They share the word, they pray together. Uh, they open their Bibles or they, or they hear this preaching uh, that's been c- downloaded from various satellite systems. There are lots of different uh, programs and networks that provide programming uh, in Farsi, in Arabic. Um, so what they do is they drive around and they're, they're at any given time, on any given evening, there are arguably hundreds of these happening throughout Iran. They drive around and they basically have what Christians would call cell groups. They have small groups and they'll worship with a worship uh, recording that's been pulled off the internet or pulled off of, of some satellite broadcast. They'll listen to some preacher in Farsi, uh, somebody who's been dubbed or maybe some American preacher or European preacher who's maybe somebody's taken their, you know, a sermon of Billy Graham and re-preached it in Farsi. That's often done. Uh, ministries will hire people to basically recreate the preaching of the, of the lead person. And so that's how church growth is happening. That's how I'll call it an evangelical movement. I don't mean that in the political sense. That word is now being used in the U.S. But the the, the church, the Christianity is growing very vibrantly that way. Um, in fact, I've had friends tell me that sometimes there, there are certain rally points where they'll 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 pull up with their cars. They'll let people in who want to be part of what they're doing. They have to be very careful, of course, because the secret police are on to this. Um, and they'll even exchange uh, temporarily iPhones or recorded or, you know, cassettes or whatever it is they're using um, and course information so that they can have the freshest preaching and worship uh, in these cars as they drive around and, and, uh, you know, stand before their God. So I I describe that not so much uh, because this podcast is about church growth, although, of course, I'm a Christian and I'm cheering this on and helping in some ways. uh, But also, I want you to see the youth and the vibrancy of this kind of movement. Um, it's young. It's, it's, it's what 24 year olds would do. It's what, it's what these are, these are actually people who are younger than millennials. Um, it's, it's what a young tribe would do. So when it comes to American foreign policy, what I'm interested in is that we are aware that Iran is not just angry, crusty old men who have been battling the West and plan to take over the Middle East. 
through and through from top to bottom. Uh, Iran has multiple layers well below that angry old crust of extremists that we can reach to. I was very proud of Donald Trump this past week. I know some of you are surprised to hear me say that. Yes, I'm often proud of what this administration is doing. I know some of you are, have a hard time with somebody like me who's a moderate, um, who doesn't hate the guy, but is concerned about some of the things he does, but can also celebrate what goes on in the administration. Anyway, I, I was very proud of him last week that he issued some tweets in Farsi. This is what we need to be doing. He issued some tweets. He had to obviously had somebody translate tweets he wanted to send out in Farsi. Well, I was very proud of that because he was reaching to the Iranian people. You can be sure that that has been read and read and repeated and repeated uh, in Iran and throughout the Middle East. That's the kind of thing we should be doing. Support the people. There are riots and protesters in the streets now calling for the downfall of this angry older crust of, of men who control that country. Um, we should be supporting them. We should be sending messages of encouragement to them. We should be secretly helping them. Um, of course, we have American forces in Iran and, and supporting people and, and working that way. Of course, Voice of America and all these other ways that we get into countries where our access is restricted. Um, we should be doing everything we can to support this. And the reason is that there's something young and vibrant happening in that country. Now, I am as opposed to what Iran is doing as a nation, politically, diplomatically, the terrorism it's fostering, the, uh, the persecution it's fostering, the, t the attempted takeover in Iraq, that it's at, all of that. I'm absolutely opposed to what official Iran is doing. However, it's important for us to know that that's the upper crust. That's this old, angry, extremist male guard. But uh, the majority of that country is Western-friendly, wants change, realizes that they're under a, a dictatorship of sorts, um, wants to have relationships with the West, is open to having relationships with Israel, wants to see a restructuring. And we should conduct our foreign policy accordingly. So, actually proud of Donald Trump, think maybe he has a sense of this, want to see more of it. And I want you to know, so you can work if that's, if you're in that kind of role here in DC, congressmen, senators, people in the state department, diplomats, so you can work with this perspective. I want Christians to be praying. I'm anybody who prays. I want you to be praying for these people uh, who are grabbing new faiths and who are rising up and who may well restructure that country in our lifetimes. Let me just say this as a closing thought. In 1979, it was young people rioting against the U.S. that took over the embassy and that engineered essentially uh, this Islamic, uh, this harsh Islamic uh, backlash against Western incursions into the country. And by the way, they had a point. We had been uh, very much inappropriate in deposing their leaders uh, in, in previous decades. But now it's the young people calling for change again. And this time, it's a change we want to encourage. So let's pray for, stand for, hope for, pull for, and support that younger tribe in Iran. And let's continue to battle that hardened crust whose days are numbered. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, 
and Lincoln's battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.